With Long Island local news on February 10th, 2023, I'm Gianna Volpe on WLIWFM. New York State's highest court yesterday delivered a major blow, maybe, to the Sandland Corporation's effort to continue sand mining operations at a 50-acre site off Millstone Road in Noyak when it annulled the company's Department of Environmental Conservation permit and ordered the DEC to again ask Southampton Town to weigh in on the legality of the operation. Stephen J. Coates reporting on 27East.com that if the town were to affirm its prior opinion that Sandland's long-running effort to extend its mining permit was an illegal expansion of a non-conforming use, the mining operation would presumably be required to close. Quote, I'm sure that will engender further litigation from Sandland, said New York State Assembly person Fred W. Thiel Jr., who has joined with the town, neighbors, and environmental organizations in a long-running legal battle to close the facility that is run by John Tintel's Wainscott Sand and Gravel. Thiel said it was important to point out that the Court of Appeals had annulled Sandland's mining permit. Quote, they have to stop mining, he said, and the DEC has to enforce that decision. But Sandland attorney Gregory Brown said the mine has a constitutionally protected right to operate on the 50-acre property and previously obtained occupancy certificates stating its use of the site was a prior nonconforming use. Quote, eventually, I think we'll get this determined in our favor, he said. In other news, children under age 12 would no longer be able to play tackle football under legislation introduced this week by Albany Democrats ahead of Super Bowl Sunday. The bill's sponsor, New York State Assemblyperson Michael Benedetto, the Democrat from the Bronx, said that children's brains are roughly 90 percent developed by age 12 and noted that, quote, when kids start playing these peewee football games, they're almost like little bobblehead dolls running around with their little brains inside their oversized skulls. And quote, Zach Williams reports in the New York Post that the bill would take effect immediately if enacted. Assemblyperson Penedetto said approximately 85,000 kids would be affected by any future ban on tackle football in leagues organized uh, by the likes of Pop Warner Youth Football, Youth Cheer. Such legislation would make New York the first state to ban tackle football for its youngest players. And finally, Brookhaven Town Supervisor Ed Romaine has screened with the Republican and conservative parties to be their candidate for Suffolk County Executive this November and is considered the presumptive nominee when Republicans convene later this month. Romaine told Newsday this week that he would wait until the convention to formally declare his candidacy, but, quote, if nominated, I will run, and if elected, I will serve. That uh, said the supervisor of Suffolk's largest town. Suffolk County Republican Party leader Jesse Garcia called Romaine 76, quote, a proven vote getter with a record of accomplishment. He's pro taxpayer, pro quality of life, pro community, and pro environment. Suffolk Conservative Party Chairman Mike Torres said his executive committee unanimously recommended Romaine following a re- recent screening. He called Romaine a great fiscal and environmental watchdog who gets along great with unions and lawmakers on both sides of the aisle. Mark Harrington reports on Newsday.com that others who screened with both parties reportedly included. Suffolk County Comptroller John Kennedy and Suffolk Legislative uh, Presiding Officer Kevin McCaffrey. Suffolk County Executive Steve Ballone, Democrat, is term limited and is ending his third and final term at the end of this year. David Colon, a former uh, uh, federal prosecutor and LIPA board member, has announced his candidacy and is supported by Democratic Party Chairman Rich Schaefer, quote, I won't raise as much money as Dave, uh, David Colon, Romaine said. I'll raise enough to be competitive. I'll talk about what I'll do for Suffolk if I'm fortunate enough to be elective, elected. This is not a job for a partisan. Uh, reading the weather in Sag Harbor again in honor of David Dean Buttrell joining us for the Hot Sights and Sound segment underwritten by Sag Harbor Cinema. Looking like a sunny Friday with the temperature falling to around 51 degrees by 5 p.m. It's a lovely May we're having uh, this February. West wind 15 to 18 miles per hour gusts as high as 32. Uh, partly cloudy tonight with a low around 33 degrees. Wind chill values between 20 and 25 degrees west wind 
11 to 17 miles per hour. Right now, it's 59 degrees. And as promised, I've got the Shy and Indigo Girls. So the Shy Girls and the Indigo Girls uh, leading us to the bottom of the hour. Then I think we'll uh, just have our Heights Hot Sights and Sounds segment since David, Dean, Buttrell, and Carmen are with us here in the WLIWFM studio. I'm Gianna Bolpe. These are Shy Girls, and you, whoever you are out there, you're awesome. And you're listening to Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. Oh, you got to plug it into the appropriate hole, David Dean Buttrell. A a great way to start off an interview about a show called David Dean Buttrell Makes Love coming to Bay Street Theater. It's your one man show. It is. You and and speaking of shows, you've been on like every show. (laughs) Well, maybe not every show. I looked at your IMDb. A lot of shows. Yeah. Yeah. What was, I mean, what are, like, give me top three favorite. Uh, uh, there's been a zillion, but like uh, Modern Family. Yeah. And, uh, I was on Boston Legal for a long time. Yeah, and... So, okay, so uh, tell me a little bit about your character. He's the creepy Lincoln Meyer. Yeah. Is he a doctor? It, well, he was not a doctor, what actually. Was, was he pretending uh, to be he a doctor? Not, no, no oh, we didn't just... get around to that. He did a lot of things, but not that. He was a, he started out as a peeping Tom. Oh. And then uh, David Kelly, who was the genius behind that show. How does that feel to be, to be uh, chosen? Oh, yeah. This guy looks like a peeping Tom. I, I had a great time. <laughs> when they asked me to come in and audition for it, I said, well, why, just out of curiosity, why did you think of me? And they said, we needed somebody really weird. And so I took that as a great compliment. Said, yes, right. We were just talking about as this. As a character actor, that's a yeah. great compliment. But he thought I was funny, so he kept me on the show for a long time. So I then I became like a murderer, and then I became a kidnapper. And so Whoa. I did a lot of things on that show. 
Yeah, so because you, you've been on a lot of true crime stuff, and I, I love have. true crime shows. I played a lot of killers. I've okay. killed and killed and killed all over network television. Really? <laughs> this is so, I love, and now you're here. And now here I am. I love, and now you're talking about uh, something a, a little, it's it's one of these things where it's not really so much different, because, you know, there's a, it's a fine line between love and then, you know, Death. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess. Yeah, I, I guess in some in situations, some case, yeah. I yeah. I have to imagine there has to be at least one story that gets weird like that because David Dean Buttrell makes love. You talk about being on Match, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did a lot of time on Match.com and a lot of those apps and a lot of you know I've I've done I did all of that. I was single. For, I mean, I had a. I've had a couple of like little, like long-term relationships, but I found myself in middle age suddenly single, and I thought, ooh, how do you do this now? And it's like, oh, okay, we're all going on the internet. It's a whole new world. It was to me, boy, was it a whole new world. And so I had a lot of misadventures yes. out there because I was really out of practice. I didn't really know how any of that worked. And that was kind of the beginning of this show. And then I started thinking about, gee, what other like love stories do I have in my life? Like- all going all the way back to like childhood. So there's a show, there's a story in the show from when I'm like six years old uh, about this little girl who lived next door to me that I got engaged to, engaged Aww. in air quotes, uh, because I wanted to play on her swing set. Oh, <laughs> wow. Wow. She, you were, you were, li- you were an, an actual sugar baby. I was, I absolutely was. <laughs> And then I started thinking, well, you know, love has a lot of faces. So there's stories about, um, or I have done over the time that I've been doing the show, I've done stories about my father and stories about my mom. I'm actually going to do a story about my mom tonight because it's her birthday. Or not tonight, I'm sorry, tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, everybody. tomorrow night is her birthday? (laughs) Tomorrow night's her birthday. And that is also the night of the show. And I'm doing a story about my mom in honor of her. Oh, I love it. Can you share it a little bit? Um, I can't, actually. (laughs) Because you don't want to give it. I respect that. But let's let's talk a little bit because you talk about misadventures in love yeah. and and having grown up, um, uh, you know, at, back then I we I called it bisexual now pansexual, uh-huh. uh, it, just in the early millennium, still hard. Yeah. Then yeah, uh, I can't imagine. W- w- were there misadventures for you as far as being gay was concerned as a young person? When oh, sure. did you, what was, what did that journey look like for you? Oh, sure. Well, you know, I, I was lucky. I mean, I was born late enough in the century yeah. that, uh, you know, by the time I was 18 or 19, I, I wasn't really afraid to say that out loud. Once I got outside that's, my parents' that's house. That's beautiful, right? That's a big you know, thing. Uh, but it was still kind of a thing where you were kind of encouraged to dial it down and, you know, not in really, certain, yeah, uh, you know, not make people uncomfortable and not, don't be too gay and, and try to kind of keep everybody happy and liking you uh, at the, but I'm, I'm really happy. I mean, it's amazing what's happened. My nephew's gay and like he is leading such a life. I am I so can't imagine, proud you know I mean? and loving how that. That aspect, especially when it comes to marginalized yeah. communities, that part is is being deconstructed in a big way right now. Yeah, in a very big way. I mean, he came out in his to his senior class, right. which was like all of twelve people, and he went to a Christian school. Yeah, you know what I mean, and I thought, wow. And my, you I know, was it, in I was in middle school. In I'm a, telling you, in a very small heteronormative community. Yeah, and it was still tough in two thousand or oh, yeah. whatever two thousand one. Oh my god, yeah. It's kind of interesting. I mean, this this show, I, I mean, my experience with it thus far, I've been doing, I started it about 10 years ago and then I put it down. I did it in California first because I was living there at that time. And I, I, I put it away because I got very busy with TV stuff. And then in 2019, I had this great desire to do it again. And when I did, I realized I had changed quite a lot since then because the original version of the show was a lot of kind of it, was kind of, it was very funny, but it was a little jokey about just being single. Mm-hmm. And when I came back, I was different. I was older, and the, I started rewriting the whole thing. That's cool. It I was love cool. that. And it was a lot darker. I mean, what I was saying was both very funny, but also darker and a little more honest. And what I found about about the about the process of online dating. Talk a little bit more about what you mean. Um, well, it wasn't just you know it was a lot of online dating at the beginning, and now that's just a portion of the show. It Got kind it. of frames the show a little okay. bit. But now this is kind of like a it's kind of like a collage of all these different time periods in my life and all these different experiences that I've had that are around are in and around the word love. Yeah. And what I discovered was when I started telling these stories, 
some of which are, you know, very funny, but also kind of not funny in a way too. Right. That the audiences responded so much differently. It was crazy. They laughed so much longer and harder. And I thought it's out of recognition. <laughs> You know, people are like laughing because of the universality they, of this yeah, story. Yeah, and that they, they're like, oh, I remember that <clears throat> happening to me. In, in, in... Well, you know, I got to tell you one of the greatest things about doing this, because, you know, obviously we, I stand out there and we laugh and laugh and laugh, is what's happened has been when I come off and I'm finished, there are always people waiting to talk to me. And it used to be, oh, well, you know, I saw you on Boston Legal or oh, you were so funny or whatever. And that's, since the show has kind of evolved... Now people are waiting there to tell me a story out of their life. They want to share. And it's, it's beautiful. It's like, and it's so funny because you're t- we're talking a little bit about online stuff. Isn't that so how things are now when you look at a comment section? Yeah. Yeah, it is. You know? It is. People are sharing, oh, this is this was my connection. Yeah, or they're attacking you. <laughs> oh, no. People, do, do people attack you? Uh, rarely. I mean, that's very rarely happened for me, but I've certainly seen it with other people whenever they come forward with something personal, sometimes they'll get sort of slammed for that. That's true. That is another thing that's in comment sections. The first time I ever did this show, it was in California and I had just kind of written it on a whim and I was doing it at the Comedy Central stage out there. And I was in the dressing room and I suddenly realized what I was about to go out and say, because the show's very honest, you know? Um, and I, I suddenly thought, oh, this is a terrible idea. And it's too late because half the audience are friends of mine. And they're never going to look at me the same way again. They're going to, like, not be able to look me in the eye. But too late. And I went out there. The show went great. And the exact opposite happened because I got embraced by everybody. And it was, a, it was almost to a person, people saying some version of, oh, my God, I thought it was just me. Thank That's you beautiful. for saying that. Thank you for telling that story. It was great. And it's been that way ever since. This has been, I've done a lot in my career, but this is the best thing I've ever done. That's what the best comedy does. I agree. You know, I think about, I think about watching George Carlin as a kid. Oh my God. Yeah. And, and, uh, certain jokes of his, particularly about uh, the body, the human body, uh, that I'm like, man, that is so true, and I can't believe uh, he broached that specific topic. I'm good friends with his daughter Kelly. Are you? Really? I am. Yeah. <gasps> and so, <laughs> and I and I I got to meet him right before he passed away. Actually, oh and got to spend goodness. a little time with him. Oh. But I remember. I know. Isn't that exciting? I know. I <laughs> couldn't believe tell me. it. Please well, he was tell just, me he was amazing. He was amazing. Yeah. And I just remember, you know, I was I was talking to him about some of the stuff that I was doing, and he said, "Just tell the truth." Yeah. He said, "It's scary, yeah. but just tell the truth," and it's true. Yeah, it, it is a scary thing to do, but it's weird. The more specific the story is to my life or the, the more truthful it is, I can feel it happen in the audience. I can feel them relax and I can hear it in their laughter. And once they trust you, they'll, they'll open up. You know, I mean, and what happens in my experience with this is, and this is just kind of in life in general, but certainly in, a, in this kind of a give and take venue that storytelling is, um, once we have, once they trust you, we can all laugh together. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, Doesn't matter do. who's straight, and straight or who's gay or who's anything. We can all laugh together. And then once you've laughed about it, you can let it go. Yes. And you can move on. How, and you and can forgive and you can do whatever. You can get brave in your life. Do you feel like like that was part of, of why uh, David Dean Buttrell Makes Love did um, evolve between or why you changed as a person? I mean, is it is it the fact that, that doing this show was healing in some way? Yeah, because I started, you know, taking Mr. Carlin's advice. As I was writing these stories, I would hit a certain point and I would say, ooh, okay, am I going to tell the whole truth here or am I going to stop in the safety zone? And I thought, you know what? I'm going to tell more truth than I feel comfortable telling. Beautiful. And... That was the keys to the kingdom because yeah. those were where the deepest, biggest, most hilarious laughs came from the audience was in that, that area, the area where I stuck my neck out. So it's been, like I said, it's just been this kind of life-changing experience for me in a way to do this show. And I, I've been doing it you know, off and on and I just did a very long run of it in the city, in New York City this past year. And I had a residency where I was performing every Wednesday night and I started rotating the stories and I started writing new stories. So now I have a bunch of stories that I rotate in and out, you know, of the show, and I've, I've, I'm bringing my greatest hits to the Bay Street Theater tomorrow night. <laughs> all the, I just love all the stories I'm telling tomorrow night, 
And um, it's it's really funny. It, it, I feel like I could keep going forever because I keep remembering things. I keep going, oh, right, that thing. I love this. Or I have a sister who's mentally ill, and I and I just recently— That's hard. That's it, it's like boys really, and hard. It's, it's like— Really, really, really yeah, hard. Yeah, it is, and uh, and she had a, she kind of had a little derailment a couple of years ago that I had to go help deal with, and so I spent quite a bit of time with her, and she wound up telling me her whole life story, which I didn't know all of that, and I wound up writing a story about my relationship to her, and that's not going to be in the show tomorrow night, but someday it'll be back in the but show the again. Sto- but the story <clears throat> about your mom will be. Uh, can sure you tell be. me a little bit about about your mother, her name? Uh, let's oh, say happy oh, her, her mother. My mother's name is uh, Ruth Evelie Botrell. Beautiful. Name. Isn't that pretty? Yes. And she lives in Somerset, Kentucky. Okay. Uh, where uh, I'm, I'm not from Somerset, I mean, but I am when from your Kentucky. Name is, when your name is Ruth Evelie Boutreau, mm. that makes sense to me. <laughs> Because, oh, she could great. she could live anywhere, but she is great. She is turning ninety two years old. Bless her. I know, I know. Is she still? Is she clear? She's amazing. Oh, good. For God. She is I'm like so the Betty White that. of Kentucky. Oh, I mean, yay! she is amazing. Kentucky White. Yeah, yeah. No, oh, she so... is. Uh, she drives and she is uh, on Hell it, and yeah. she plays the piano for the church, and she goals right there. She does, and she you know goes out to the Alzheimer's Center and you know plays songs for the patients and all that. What? And what's so hilarious? I always find this so hilarious. Is she always comes home and she talks about having gone out and you know sung and entertained the uh, you know the old people, and I think <laughs> the said... old people, most of them are probably younger than you are. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Oh my gosh. Happy birthday, Ruth yeah, Everly Yeah, 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 yeah. What was it like growing up in Kentucky? Um, it was uh uh it de- depending on where we lived, you know, my family you moved, moved around. around. We okay. did. Yeah. My dad had a couple of different jobs that moved us around a bit. Um I uh, for me personally and obviously everybody's got their own opinion, but it was a nice place to be from. You know, uh-huh. I, I had a, I had some it's really. Be, it's beautiful. It is beautiful. If you've ever if you've ever driven the what is the Bluegrass Parkway? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's beautiful. It's incredible. Yeah. When I was a kid, uh, you know, if I wanted to go into town, like me and my cousins wanted to go into town, we would literally just like walk down the, the hill, down the lane, down the holler, to the to the road, the county road, and stick out our thumb and get in the back of some wow. stranger's pickup truck. What? And go into <laughs> town <laughs> to buy candy or whatever, and then that's how we got back. And. I wouldn't do that now in a million years, nor would I allow anybody I know to right. do anything like that. But we did, and it, we didn't think anything about it. So I am grateful that I was able to live in a, in a community, in a world at a time when that could happen, you right. know? Um, because it was pretty sweet. And then I also really, really love, like, whenever I go there um, to visit my mom and all that, I'll, I'll kind of get my rental car and drive from the airport and I'll say, God, it's so beautiful. And it's so like, I'm filled with all these really wonderful feelings about home. And then sometimes, you know, I'll get out and have to stop somewhere at a gas station or whatever. And I, I get to chatting with people and I, and I hear some of, some of the stuff some that's kind of going on, you know, politically yeah. and so forth there. And yeah. I think, hmm, actually maybe I'll just get and right. drive back to the it's, airport and it's, just it's fly nice, back to where I'm. It's a nice place to visit, but I wouldn't, you know, I said that about New York City the first mm-hmm. time I went, it was the 90s and I it, I went to see like Beauty and the Beast sure. or something. And sure. My mom's like, what did you think of the city? And I said, you know, it's a nice place, but I wouldn't want to live there. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> I totally get that. <laughs> I, I don't know if I, I feel like I, no, you know what? Uh, there was never, I never really had a feeling of wanting, of wanting to be in it all the time. But I think it's because I'm the type of person that, that would, pro- I would be like stimulated. I probably would never sleep. Yeah. If the city didn't sleep, I probably wouldn't sleep either. I started out in New York. I went to California for a long time. I was there for over, um, about 20 years. I was in California. Where, work, where in California? In Hollywood. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right there working in the entertainment industry and all that. And it, it's, I, I finally realized I wanted to come back to New York because it's, LA is just a very different beast and everybody's in their car. And at least in New York, I feel like when I'm walking down the street, I know I exist because people move out of my way and I move out of their way. Oh, Do you know what I mean? So yes. We interact with each other. Uh, That's so interesting. Yeah. You know, we, we actually work together rather beautifully in it's, New York City. That's that's really Really interesting. I never really thought about that. Yeah, there, it's there is this, there's definitely the separation when you have, and then when it's a vehicle. Yep. And then you're kind of like this mech warrior. Yep. And it gets a little. It's weirder. pretty isolating. You yeah. Know? I mean, if I was going to have a heart attack, God forbid. But if I did have a heart attack, 
on the street. I would rather have it in New York than in Los Angeles because in Los Angeles, people are in cars and they might they might wave at you as they drive by, but they're not going to stop. Yeah, and then there might not <laughs> be another to park. person. There's for nowhere like, to park. Right. Uh, <laughs> so you could lie there for quite some time. But in New York City, I've seen it. I've been. Par- I, mean, I haven't had a heart attack, but I've seen somebody get you know in trouble on the street. Well, and you know, people in New York stop. If Ruth Everly is any, uh, you know, um, whatever, yeah. you. you you should be fine for quite <laughs> for quite some time. Yes, I'm hoping. Well, we, I I have a good I've got a good feeling. Yeah, me too. I'm really excited about your show. So oh, thank it, you. It gets started. I saw that it, the show starts at eight yeah. tomorrow, Saturday mm-hmm. night. Yeah. But there's all there's a cocktail reception at seven. Uh, the uh, LBGT Network has is sponsoring an event in the Fantastic. lobby. Um, for members, and I, th- I imagine everybody's welcome. But anyway, they're having a little event beforehand. I That's don't know lovely. the exact starting time of that, but probably seven in the neighborhood o'clock. of seven o'clock. That yeah. sounds about right. Um, I have donated some of my uh, extremely funny merch, which they're going to be raffling off. And I also give away some of my merch during the show, which is pretty funny. It's all kind of funny stuff. You are a wonderful human. I am so excited <laughs> about David Dean Buttrell. I'm uh, just doing it. my part. Is and there, it's and Valentine's Day. I know. It's, it's Valentine's Day. That's the big part. And Singles Awareness, my friend. It is Singles Awareness Day as well. And I just want to assure everybody, if you're one of those people who has had an easy time in love and you've it's all kind of worked out for you, that's great. I actually, at one point in my life, was living that chapter. And I've also lived the chapter where Valentine's Day is the last thing I want to talk about. Right. So I want to, and that, I want to assure you that whether you like Valentine's Day or you want to avoid Valentine's Day, this is a show for you. This is the show for you because or, I cover everything. I made it. I made up a new one because there's also Galentines or Ooh, nice or Palentines. I like Palentines. Like it's pa- it's a pal- lot. Palentine's That's Day. That's a really good one. I'm Shana Volpe. That was David Dean Buttrell. This was the Hot Sights and Sounds segment. David Dean Buttrell makes love is tomorrow night, Saturday night at Bay Street Theater, Bay Street. Dot org for more information. These are the Indigo Girls, and you, whoever you are out there, you're awesome. And you're listening to Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM, 88.3 on the FM dial throughout eastern Long Island and coastal Connecticut, 96.9 in central and western Suffolk County, streaming online to wherever you are at WLIW.org slash radio. Call me I'm 
From Mercury Revs, I Collect Coins. That was the Harmalays collecting my change from the Pretty Picture Dirty Brush record of 2015. Another weird and wonderful one. This is called Collecting Junk with Temi uh, from Undertale. Ben Briggs uh, from the Straight from the Underground record of 2016. Uh, we've got Third Nature on deck after that from their self-titled record of 2019 with Collected. Uh, in honor of East End Collected 7 opening tomorrow night at Southampton Arts Center. Here's a cool thing, is that's from 5 to 7, and then uh, David Deed Matrell gets started in Sag Harbor, so you have enough time to get on over to uh, Sag Harbor and see his show. I'm Jenna Volpe. This is Ben Briggs, and you, whoever you are out there, you're awesome, and you're listening to the Collected Edition of the Heart of the East End, the weekday morning and midnight show on Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. Dude, dude. 
All of you out there with a little bit of an online shopping habit. I think I'm going to hop over Third Nature and Tiny Ocean. Both have the title collected. I'm going to play a different collected. It's one uh, that appealed to David Dean Buttrell and I as we were checking the playlist for this hour. These are Rat Boys. This is from the Happy Birthday Rat Boy record of 2021. Collected on WLIWFM.
A playlist you won't hear anywhere else. Moving from Rat Boys to Atlantic Star, Little Rolling Stones on deck. Def Andrews, and if we have time, a little collective soul. It's the Cool Calm Collected section of the set list on this morning's Heart of the East End on WLIWFM.
I'm going to be bunny hopping past Common Collected by Routine, Annie Truscott, and Jay Som. You can find it on the playlist for today's show on WLIW.org slash radio. I'll give you a taste of Common Collected, um, a single by Def Andrews, and then I will go right into Collective Souls Collection of Goods as we end the Collected Edition of The Heart of the East End. Another successful broadcast week. A big thank you to both of my guests this morning, Teresa Roden and David Dean Bottrell, as well as our underwriters, Village Overhead Doors and Sag Harbor Cinema, and all of you listener supporters of Long Island's only local NPR radio station. You make it all happen. just give you the whole thing. This is a great track.
Hoping you have a calm and collected weekend. That was Def Andrews. This is Collective Soul. And you, whoever you are out there, you're awesome. And you're listening to WLIWFM. Resonate. I'm down to say. Grace separate. We're from the guys of hate. Leave me in.